0: Good morning, everyone. We are delighted to be with you here this morning. I, I just want to say at the outset that what we want to share with you, we share in the hope, in the expectation that the Lord will take our feeble efforts to communicate and the Holy Spirit will say, ah, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Not because the Neblet family has arrived. We haven't. We're still on this journey. But we want to share with you what the Lord has taught us in the hopes that it will be a blessing to you. We realize that we are all on our own journeys. And we want that you know that you have a personal Savior who is willing, ready, and able to teach you what you need to do. So, guess go ahead, dear.
1: I just want to say, as I was listening to Sean last night, um, the thought crossed my mind. We're in danger of having these people think that the parents of these four children that love the Lord so passionately must be perfect parents. They must be perfect Christians. And I just want to tell you that this is why we seek to share with you very vulnerably from our own walk. And you will hear. You will hear this morning about our failures of the past. You will hear um, about Edwin's struggles with integrity in his communication with me. Um, You will hear about my struggles with my temper in the early years um, of our children's lives. And we just want to... um, have the the phrase or the sentence resounding your minds throughout the day. We owe it all to grace. Amen. It is possible. The gift of grace gives us two things that we need desperately. And the first one is forgiveness. Is, um paying our debt. The debt we've accumulated in our account. And the second is the power, the power to overcome, that we don't have to stay where we are. The other thing I want to say uh, right at the outset of of today is that sometimes uh, it's very painful to us to come away from a ministry having left some behind that rather than being encouraged are actually Mm heavy-hearted because they think, if only I had known those things, while there was still time, while my children were at home. And we want to say to you, take heart, because it is never too late. The same grace that has caused our children, in spite of their own failures of the past, to love the Lord with all their hearts and to be passionate about serving them, that same grace reaches us in our 30s, in our 40s, in our 50s, our 60s, our 80s, etc. And even if your children... Are not walking with the Lord today. And even if you come under conviction that it was the choices that you made that caused them, it is not too late. I always think of something that really brings me hope, and that is the prayer of Jesus in John 17, where he said, For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might also be sanctified through the truth. If you are a grandparent and you have children, And grandchildren that don't know the Lord because of the choices that your children have made, possibly influenced by the choices that you made when your children were in your home, it is not too late. As you choose to take hold of the power of God, and as you experience the transforming power of his grace in your own life, God can use you in a mighty way, even to influence the lives of the children that are no longer in your home. Besides that, let's remember in James that the prayer of the righteous availeth much.
0: So we want to begin our message this morning about uh, uh, reflecting back with what Sean said last night. We want to begin our message this morning about thinking to the glory of God. Now, how much attention should we pay to our thoughts? In December 2007, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, a 24-year-old young man who was raised in a Christian family and homeschooled walked into the youth ministry where he had been dismissed a few weeks earlier and killed two people at at the youth ministry, shot them dead, and then two more at the church Before he was wounded by a security guard at the church, he then turned the gun on himself and killed himself. How did that happen? The anger and bitterness that he thought created in him the bitterness that caused him to take the action steps that resulted in the lives of four people. So how much attention should we give to our thoughts? In Psalms 23.7, we read, As he, a man, thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, do you think we should pay attention to our thoughts? Do you? I see some of you nodding. Well, do you believe that what we think affects our character? In order to have a godly character, we must have godly thoughts. We think all the time. But are our thoughts disciplined? We read in First Timothy 4, verse 7, exercise thyself. When you look at the meaning of the word exercise, it means discipline thyself rather unto godliness. Does this mean that our thoughts need to be disciplined? Now, I just want to share from my own personal experience that in the past, I used to, and I'm still inclined to, worry a lot. Which results in negative thoughts. We read in the book Desire of Ages, page 301. When brought into trial, we are not to fret and complain. We should not rebel or worry ourselves out of the hand of Christ. Well, I would think and think And worry myself out of the hands of Christ. Do you think that godly thoughts would result from that kind of thinking? No. No. Today when I catch myself beginning to think or to complain, I discipline my thoughts to stop that negative thinking. Instead, I focus on God's faithfulness, on how God has guided in the past, and His protection. This discipline of trusting in God's promise is an ongoing exercise. We were traveling uh, in the past uh, to a meeting in the wintertime. We live in the western mountains of New Mexico, close to 8,000 feet. So you can understand that at 8,000 feet in the winter, things happen that don't happen closer to sea level. You catch my drift? Yeah. So I began to worry. I began to worry about driving that early in the morning on an icy road or with a low-clearance vehicle hitting a piece of wood that fell off of somebody's wood truck or, in our area, hitting an elk. I had to discipline my thoughts by choosing to trust that all possible trials that the Lord would allow to pass through pass through the hands of a loving Savior, and I could trust in God's protection, which we had prayed for at the beginning of our journey. God is faithful. We can choose to trust in his faithfulness. This begins in our thoughts. So when I think right, I do right. This is especially true in my marriage. Now, I happen to like garbanzos. Anybody ever ate garbanzos in here? Some people know them as chickpeas. I grew up in a country where we called them chana. Well, my wife sometimes makes lentils. I don't mind lentils. They're good food mentioned in the scriptures, if I'm not mistaken. But they're not my first preference. Suppose I start thinking. Now, Maria knows I like garbanzos. But I notice she's, she's been making more lentils more frequently. Doesn't she care that I like garbanzos? Why doesn't she make them more often? Maybe she doesn't care about me the way she used to, because she really knows I like garbanzos. Do you see how quickly my thoughts can start taking that spiral downward? When I have wrong thoughts, it leads to wrong actions, and even potentially the destruction of a marriage. So, what are the consequences of thoughts? In Ezekiel 28.15, we read this. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Who is the Bible talking about? Lucifer. Where was this happening? In a perfect environment. Where did the problem start in this perfect environment? In the thoughts. It was the thoughts that created rebellion that, toward God's perfect love and led to Satan's fall and one-third of the angels who were cast out of heaven with him. Is it any different for you and me? We need to place a high value upon the right control of our thoughts. It is necessary for our peace and happiness in this life that our thoughts center in Christ. As a man thinketh, so is he. Our improvement in moral purity depends on right thinking and right acting. Evil thoughts destroy the soul. The converting power of God changes the heart, refining and purifying the thoughts. Unless a determined effort is made to keep the thoughts centered on Christ, grace cannot reveal itself in the life. The mind must engage in the spiritual warfare. Every thought must be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. All the habits must be brought under God's control. This is found in Heavenly Places, page 164.
1: So obviously there is a part that we have to play, isn't there? How many thoughts do you suppose we think per day? Anybody want to take a guess as to how many thoughts we think per day? (laughs) Lots. Very good. Well, studies indicate that the average person thinks approximately 400, I'm sorry, 40,000 thoughts per day. That's enough. We don't need 400,000. The thoughts we think, obviously, as we've been hearing, influence the way that we feel. And our feelings highly motivate our words, and and the way that we act. So if our thoughts have such a tremendous uh, effect on our character and our behavior, consider the influence that they have on our relationships, on our marriage, on our relationship with our children. Furthermore, if indeed we think approximately 40,000 thoughts per day, can we afford to leave those thoughts unrestrained? how crucial it is that we learn to govern our thoughts. The scripture this morning, the the scripture reading was on Luke 6, 45, where it states that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth what? That which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, heart and and mind are used interchangeably. This is why we are told in Philippians two um, five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And in Romans twelve twelve, we are admonished to be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing, renewing of the mind. We cannot be changed into the the people that God wants us to be, into the marriage partner that God wants us to be, unless we are willing to cooperate with God to change our minds, to transform our thought life. When I surrender to Christ, the first place I need to begin is by surrendering my thoughts. And this surrender of the thought life is what David was making reference to When he said, and this is in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the path, in the way everlasting.
0: So what is the consequence of thoughts in our lives? Negative thoughts bring back the more painful episodes in our marriage. To share what happened, I need to start a few years before. When I was a child, I loved reading books. I still do. Well, we moved here to the United States when I was around 12 years of age, and we were living at the time in Compton, L.A. And we, my parents... uh, didn't give us any guidance here and we lived right across the street from a library. So I would go over and I would check out a dozen or more books per week. I would read anything and everything. What was the most attractive to me was science fiction, which resulted in a craving for fantasy. So let's fast forward now to my marriage. The results of the choice of reading encouraged thoughts of fantasy and exposure to materials that were not in harmony with Philippians 4, verse 8, resulting in an unwholesome appetite and selfish habits. This left me dissatisfied with reality, the real joys that God had placed in my married life. It also resulted in dissatisfaction with Christ's ability to meet my needs and love with the Word of God, which was dull reading. Given my appetite for material, that was stimulating to the flesh. Here's what we read in the second volume of Mind, Character, and Personality, page 660. If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong, and the thoughts and feelings combined make up the moral character. When you decide that as Christians... You are not required to restrain your thoughts and feelings. You are brought under the influence of evil angels, and you invite their presence and their control. If you yield to your impressions and allow your thoughts to run in a channel of suspicion, doubt, and repining, you will be among the most unhappy of mortals, and your life will prove... A failure. So, do you think that thoughts have an eternal consequence? Yes, they do. It is said that Hume, the skeptic, was in early life a conscientious believer in the Word of God. But being connected with a debating society, he was appointed to present the arguments in favor of infidelity. So, he studied with earnestness and perseverance, and his keen and active mind became imbued with the sophistry of skepticism. Ere long, he began to believe in its delusive teachings, and his whole afterlife bore the impress of the dark infidelity. How about Voltaire? When Voltaire was five years old, five years old, he committed to memory an infidel poem, and the pernicious influence was never effaced from his mind. He became one of Satan's most Effective and successful agents to lead men away from God. Thousands will rise up in judgment and charge the ruin of their souls upon the infidel Voltaire. So, my fantasy life took on several habits. I would engage in what the Bible calls in Romans 1, verse 21, vain imaginings. The text says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginings and in their foolish heart was darkened. I would imagine all sorts of awful things happening to myself, my family, or my friends. When I would hear on the news that someone escaped from jail, I would imagine that they were coming straight to my house to harm us. Where was my trust in God? Was my heart filled with joy and peace? No. Anxiety. Worry. Fear. Well, I learned several things as the Lord brought this to my attention. First, I had to stop listening to bad news. Well, I had to stop listening to news. All of which was, mm. where do you get most of your news? I got mine from TV, radio, newspaper, news magazines. So I stopped listening, reading, anything that fed into my anxiety. And my worry and my fear. Instead, I began to focus on things that were, not, that were true, things that were honest, things that were pure, things that were lovely and had a good report. I would think on those things. Now, when I am under temptation to return to those bad habits, I discipline my thoughts to think right thoughts. The other thing that I did was to be more open with the areas that I struggled with. The hardest person for me to be open with was my wife, because I thought that if she knew what I was thinking, she would be very unhappy or disappointed or disgusted or upset with me. So I kept my struggles to myself. Two things resulted. One, I remained stuck or in bondage to my thoughts, which resulted in negative behavior. And number two, I had no accountability. But by being honest and open now, I have an ally in the battle With my thoughts, and I have a partner who helps me to stay accountable to living a godly life.
1: Wives are commanded in Scripture to love our husbands. So let me ask you what is love? Is it just an emotion? Love is a principle, it is a choice, a commitment. It is much more than those romantic feelings that we experienced as we were um, courting or dating, and and when we first got married. Love defies our natural selfishness. It banishes bitterness and fear. It creates a bond between husband and wife that is much stronger than. The bond created by those romantic feelings at first. This kind of love that is a principle, that is a choice and a commitment, is bestowed by God's grace as we make the choice. We have a gift from heaven, and that is our free will. We must make a choice by faith to be obedient to God's command. As wives, to love our husbands. We do this by thinking, choosing to think loving thoughts and performing loving actions towards our husbands regardless of our feelings at any given moment. As we do this, the feelings will actually follow. Practically speaking, how do we deny? How do we deny that inclination, for instance, um, Our inclination to be angry, to lose our temper. How do we show love when we don't have warm, fuzzy feelings of love running around in our hearts, in our minds? Friends, the secret is found in Hebrews 4, verses 12. And it says, For the word of God is quick. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Friends, the word of God has the power to transform us by the renewing of our minds. Does this miracle happen without any cooperation on our part? What did we say? No, it takes earnest effort. On our part to cooperate with God because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. These are powers that are spoken of in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 that are intent on driving us to be ruled by our na- by our feelings, by our natural selfishness. We must avail ourselves of the weapon for this warfare that according to 2 Corinthians 10.4 is not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We must study, meditate, memorize, and think. Choose to actually think about Scripture. And we must exercise our minds to replace our selfish, bitter, hateful thoughts with biblical thoughts Mm -hmm. that are kind-hearted, forgiving, and forbearing. While conducting a seminar at a church, um, a woman whose marriage was in trouble approached me for counseling. and she um, told me that she had reached the end of her hope of her rope. She went on to exp- explain the problems that she saw in her husband a- and all the years of making poor decisions, um, his instability regarding life work, um, she basically described very in much detail, what uh, made me think immediately of that unstable, that double-minded man man Mm -hmm. who is unstable in all his ways. She was feeling hopeless about the future. She was fearing that they would be plunged into ruin and lose everything because he had driven them into deeper and deeper debt. She could not fathom how how God could expect her to submit to a man like this. How How, she asked me, how can God want me to submit? As she was talking, I was praying. The picture looked very dark. And did I have an answer? Well, I didn't. First of all, I had not listened to her husband, and I knew that it was not an easy answer. Um, So what I could do, and as I was praying, the Lord was pointing out to me uh, things in her speaking that I could point out to show her her own need, and so I challenged her on some of her attitudes and invited her to focus, focus on her own relationship with Christ. And by grace, while she was praying for her husband, actually began changing the things she could change in herself. And I also recommended some special reading for her. Later on, during the same weekend seminar, another speaker gave an illustration. He was speaking on the thought life. And he was talking about how small things can become like mountains as we think about them and rehearse them in our minds over and over again. And while she was listening to that message, somehow the Lord got through to her and brought her under deep conviction. She came back to me uh, later And she told me that the Lord had shown her that the biggest problem was not her husband, that it was actually her. And the reason she was in such a major crisis now had more to do with the weight of the accumulation of negative thoughts over the years than with her present reality. These thoughts had a poisoning effect on her mind and made her feel that she could no longer bear the burden of this marriage, she had absolutely no confidence in her husband. You know, we are told that it is a law of nature that our thoughts and feelings are encouraged and strengthened as we what? As we give them utterance. Ellen White says, "If we would give more expression to our faith, rejoice in the blessings that we know we have—the great mercy and love of God." we should have more faith and greater joy. When we spend a lot of time thinking negative thoughts about our spouse and he comes home from work, guess what happens? We are ready to erupt. When we entertain, rehearse, and store an abundance of evil thoughts, they come forth yielding a devastating harvest. When we dwell on how much we have been hurt, the pain actually intensifies the more we think about it. We are admonished to speak evil of no one in Titus 3.2. Friends, we cannot obey this admonition if we choose to indulge in thinking evil of others. If we think that we can actually entertain those thoughts and just not speak evil, do you think that we are Mm. faultless? Mm. No. Not only are we not faultless, because as we think, the sin is right there. But we are much more likely than to speak evil of others. So as Christian wives, we can either respond to our husbands' hurtful and irritating actions um, in one of two ways. We can discipline ourselves to um, respond in a loving way. Or we can allow those fleshly thoughts to have total control. And we can think things like this. I don't don't love him anymore. You know, instead of that, you can think, I may not feel love for him right now, but God will change my feelings as I learn to think and act in a loving way. That's a biblical thought. Instead of saying, he doesn't love me, he only loves himself. We can say, In our minds, he does not show love as he should, but his capacity to love can grow. Love believes all things, hopes all things. Remember? I will never forgive him. If you have that thought, what happens? It becomes reality. You cannot forgive. Instead, you can discipline yourself to think, After all the Lord has forgiven me, the least I can do. Is forgive him, etc. I see we're running out of time. So we can change our lives, our, our very lives, by revolutionizing our thought life. We can be transformed by the renewing of our minds.
0: So what we have shared with you today is the power of thoughts to make a difference in our daily lives, and have an impact in our eternal future. There, brother and sisters, is a great controversy going on. Do you believe that? Absolutely. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to help us bring our thoughts in harmony with God's perfect will. But God will only help us if we cooperate with him. In Heavenly Places, page 164, we need a constant sense of the ennobling power of pure thoughts and the damaging influence of evil thoughts. Let us place our thoughts on holy things. Let them be pure and true, for the only security for the soul is right thinking. We are to use every means that God has placed within our reach for the government and cultivation of our thoughts. We are to bring our minds into harmony with his mind. His truth will sanctify us, body and soul and spirit, and we shall be enabled to rise above temptation.
1: Can we ask you to come up, Sean? We're just going to, um, we usually close our our messages with song, and we're just going to sing a a short um, scripture song. This is...
0: Would you use those in the hand?
1: This is, um, it's a little painful, as Sean
2: told you last night,
1: to actually sing. And we've talked him into mostly singing by himself. But we're going to go ahead and be brave and just sing the scripture song together.
0: Found in? in?
1: Philippians 2, verse 5, I believe.
0: Let this mind be
2: in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Who being in the form of God Thought it not robbery to be equal with God But made himself of no reputation And took upon him the form of a servant And was made in the likeness of man And being found in fashion as a man He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus.